It's Monday, December 26th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, it's a, a post-Yuletide edition of the uh, the podcast, uh, first one after Christmas here. Uh, the the Guardian's not making uh, a lot of news uh, just prior to the break there, uh, but they did uh, come out and announce uh, the, the replacements for Brian Sweeney and for Justin Toole on their Major League coaching staff. Uh, we're going to see Rigo Beltran uh, as the new bullpen coach. Uh, he's going to come up from AAA Columbus, uh, where he's been the, the pitching coach there for the last couple of seasons, and uh, uh, replacing uh, Toole on the hitting staff as the run production coordinator. Uh, it's going to be Jason Esposito, who was the hitting coach down in AAA. Uh, moves that just sort of really make a lot of sense for Terry Francona. Yeah, Joe, I think, you know, they, we, we've heard that they were going to be internal moves and, you know, obviously they dipped down into Columbus and, you know, took two guys off that staff, you know, Regal Beltran. It sounds like from uh, uh, Terry Francona's uh, comments that, you know, he was he was very much a, a strong candidate the last uh, before they, uh, you know, hired Joe, uh, Joe Perez, Joe, Joe Torres. Um, to, uh, you know, replace uh, Ruben Niebla as, the, you know, the assistant pitching coach. So, you know, this just made sense. Beltran has done, a, you know, he pitched in the big leagues. He, uh, you know, he's been in the organization for a while. He was, you know, pitch, he was a pitching coach for Mexico's Olympic team in Japan and uh, the pitching coach for Mexico's, uh, you know, team in the, the WBC. So this guy's been around. He knows the staff. He's worked with probably almost every starter, every every you know guy on on the on the big league staff. So that that's a good fit to me, Joe. Yeah, for especially for guys like uh, like a James Karinchak who who spent some time down uh, in in the minors uh, the last couple of seasons and and was really working through whatever issues he had. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure uh, James would probably credit uh, you know Rigo. For, for a lot of the success that he had last year, just being able to work through what he did when he was at the AAA level and and on whatever program that, that Carl Willis and and the other uh, pitching coaches had for him. Uh, I, I got to believe that he's going to sort of maintain whatever continuity and, and sort of standards that Brian Sweeney had set. Uh, you know, we, we've talked at length about what the, the Guardians are, are, are losing in Brian Sweeney, and they're losing it to a division rival. But uh, to be able to to just sort of plug Beltran in uh, in in that role in the bullpen, uh, and and you've got uh, you've got some guys you've got Angel De Los Santos, uh, um, uh, Emmanuel Classe back there. Uh, so so also the connection with the Latin players is also going to help. Uh, I I gotta believe uh, just having uh, Beltran on staff makes makes things a lot more comfortable for some of those guys. Yeah, you know, he's bilingual, uh, uh, you know, he, he's able to relate to the Latin American players. And, I, you know, I just I just remember guys like uh, Clevenger and, you know, and, and people like that talking about what Beltran, you know, how, how he helped them, you know, while they what while they were kind of getting their way to the big league. So I think he's familiar with all these guys and, and that really helps. He knows their strengths and their weaknesses and obviously he's he's helped kind of shape their game so that's important yeah and another guy who who sort of interviewed well and and was at the top of all of their lists was jason esposito 
uh, when there was when there were going to be openings on the the major league hitting staff uh, for him to come over. And now uh, it, it really sounded uh, like Tito said it, it really sounded like they were sort of making this role or this job title for Esposito, uh, you know, to sort of focus on the the analytics side of things, not just to just be in the cages uh, with Valleca and and with Victor uh, Rodriguez. Uh, but, you know, he's he's going to be looking and, and breaking down, uh, you know, video as much as he is going to be uh, in the cages helping out there. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, you know what now his his title official t- title is what, Joe? Uh, run production coordinator. OK, it sounds like the NFL coach, doesn't it? I mean, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the way the staffs have expanded, you know, the, the, every, almost everybody has an assistant hitting coach now, and now you need a a guy, uh, you know, kind of a hitting analyst that uh, I think what Tito told you was, you know, to do the scouting, to scout the, you know, the opposing pitcher, to come up, uh, you know, with matchups, favorable matchups, and, you know, the, what what the strengths and weaknesses of uh, the bullpen and 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 that kind of thing, the opposing bullpen, I think. You know that it sounds like Esposito is going to be doing a lot of that work, and or at least in that vein. Besides, you know, working with hitters, right? And and another, and it was just another opportunity for Tito to to use the word seamless uh, in this transition. Uh, you know, to to replace Tool. I mean, Tool did a great job, and and he was very versatile. He, he'd come in and he'd 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 coach. Uh, you know, bases when when they had coaches missing and and that kind of stuff. But uh, now he's he's out in Seattle uh, with a lot of responsibility as the as the player development coordinator out there. Uh, so this is a, a a big role for Esposito to, to come and step into and and sort of take on that analytics role. And and Tito said, uh, you know, seamless transition. I think they all feel comfortable. And, and chemistry was so big with this team all throughout last season. I think uh, you know just being able to maintain that chemistry is is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, you, the familiar, you know, it's, it's not like you're bringing a guy in from outside and he's, he's got to, you know, spend the winter making phone calls and looking at video, you know, uh, Beltran and, and, and Esposito know these guys and know, uh, know the hitters. And, uh, so that, that, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you, you've got one, one step ahead of the, you're, you're a little bit ahead of the race here, ahead of the curve that, so when you go to spring training, uh, speaking of being ahead of the curve, they uh, announced a couple of minor league uh, signings. Uh, the Guardians did uh, announce a couple of minor league signings with invitations to Major League uh, Spring Training Camp. Uh, and uh, they, they, they kept it pretty simple. Uh, Caleb and Caleb, one lefty and one righty. Uh, Caleb Barragar, a left-hander, uh, and Caleb Simpson, a right-hander, will join the Guardians in Goodyear uh, in February. Barragar is 28 years old comes from the San Francisco organization. Uh, he's got some major league time, what, uh, 45 and a third innings. He's got two saves. You know, nothing, uh, you know, overly spectacular. Jumps out about his stats. Uh, Simpson is 31 years old. Uh, he spent uh, the majority of his career in San Francisco as well. Uh, was with the Cubs and Red Sox over the last couple of years. So uh, these these are guys who uh, are just like minor league depth uh, additions and and you know maybe they'll spend the the season uh, on the roster at, at AAA and if uh, 
if there's a, a moment where they need a, a 27th guy or a, an extra arm to, to come up at some point, uh, one of these guys could be around. Yeah, Joe. It's, uh, they both sound like they're experienced guys. They've been around the block. You know, they could, uh, you know, I think most they're mostly relievers, right? I, I think both of them. Right. Most, yeah, they're both, they're both relievers. relievers. Yeah, so they could, you know, fit into the bullpen, like you said, and on double headers or split double headers. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Uh, speaking of interesting to see how they do and veteran guys, Austin Hedges uh, signed a, uh, a contract with Pittsburgh. Uh, he will be with the Pirates this upcoming season. Uh, for for everything that Austin Hedges, you know, couldn't do offensively or didn't do offensively for this team, uh, he he meant so much to the Guardians in in 2022 uh, in his clubhouse leadership in uh, you know just the way he played the game the right way that Tito admired so much and and always loved. Uh, you wish nothing but but good things for Austin Hedges as he moves to Pittsburgh and and tries to you know you know maybe catch fire there and 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 play his way out of Pittsburgh because you, you certainly don't sign with Pittsburgh uh, hoping to stay there for for any length of time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you you hit the nail on the head, Joe. I mean, Hedges, you know, he didn't hit and, you know, everybody knew that. But, you know, he was so enthusiastic. He had so much passion for that uh, pitching staff and handling the pitching staff. I mean, I love to talk to him after games, you know, win or lose. You know, he was he was so positive. And, uh, you know, that rubs off, you know, I think that that helps the ball club. And, you know, this was really his first run through the postseason. You know, on a good team, you know, to reach the postseason where he had, you know, was, you know, the number one catcher, so to speak. And he really relished that, I think. And he he enjoyed it. And uh, I think, uh, you know, if you know, you're looking for a little more offense from that position, yes. But it's going to, you know, I, I don't think uh, Hedges was anywhere. You know, you didn't find any any shortcomings in his defensive game or, you know, his his. You know, his game calling, his pitch calling, blocking the plate, um, you know, just a really, really a fun guy to cover and just a solid, a solid veteran guy. You know, I think he'll do do well in Pittsburgh. They've got a young club and I'm sure he'll throw himself into that. Yeah, I, on several occasions, I uh, I talked to uh, Austin's uh, dad, Charlie Hedges, uh, for stories that I was working on. And, and just, uh, you know, we sort of struck up a, a, a conversational friendship there. And and I told Charlie on more than one occasion, I said, you know, I I have a son, he plays baseball. I I want him to play the game and and be a leader and and you know be a a guy around his teammates uh, the way that Austin was because that's that was sort of the uh, uh, the example that that he set there. And I, I told him, I, I said, you, you know, you did something right bringing that kid up. Uh, speaking of uh, guys, you love to cover in the uh, the clubhouse and love to talk to after games. Uh, Trevor Bauer has been reinstated uh, by Major League Baseball after what 194 game suspension for uh, violating the uh, the league's uh, conduct policies and and whatever uh, else they they sort of threw at him there uh, under the uh, the accusations of uh, abuse and, and misconduct uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, he's he's going to be back, but is he going to be back with the Dodgers is the big question. 
Yeah, that's the that's the uh, really really big question. He was, you know, his suspension, Bauer suspension was reduced what from 324 games, you know, two full seasons to uh, you know 194 games, like you said. And the Dodgers have until uh, you know they have 14 days since he was reinstated. That was last week to uh, either put him on the 40 man roster or release him. And uh, Joe, I. I they're in a really interesting situation. Uh, they uh, the Dodgers don't have to pay him. Uh, the arbitrator ruled for the first 50 games of uh, the 2023 season. He was not paid for what 144 games that he was suspended last season. So that lowers their uh, you know lowers what the Dodgers owe him. But they you know they still owe what you know they're still on the hook this year. For what uh, you know, I think what about thirty million for mm-hmm. uh, for this year, you know, and uh, they they have some uh, salary cap or not, you know, they have some luxury tax concerns. So you know, I, I think they're kind of wrestling with that, and uh, I just don't know, Joe. I think uh, you know the way they kind of what as soon as he you know got was put on administrative leave and. You know, they took his took his his jerseys out of the, you know, the the shop, the uh, stadium shop. They, you know, I I don't see how he comes back, at least with the Dodgers, Joe. And I think he's going to have a tough time. Who signs this guy, Joe? That's that's the question. Let me ask you that. Do you, you know, would if you're another big league team, and obviously you're talking about a talented pitcher, but do you sign him considering the baggage he has now? Well, it would have to be a major league team that, that that's sort of, you know, sort of the way that the, uh, the the New England Patriots could sort of absorb all of the problem children in the NFL. You know, they took on the Josh Gordons and they took on the uh, Antonio Browns and those guys uh, who had off-field issues. And because of the mystique of the franchise and because of the head coach and, and all that, it was sort of, you know, they, they were sort of managed under that. Uh, it, it's got to be... I gotta believe it's got to be a, a a place like like New York or or something in in that regard that that would be able to do that. He's not gonna be able to go and hide and and kill some uh, some some team like like down in Miami or or in Oakland or something like that where you know people would be protesting outside the gates every time he pitched. Uh, I I can't see that happening and and I certainly don't see him making. Uh, you know, 34 million uh, a year, wherever he signs, uh, the Dodgers are still going to be on the hook for for what at least a certain amount of that. So, I it's going to be tough. Uh, just the financials and the the off the field stuff uh, with Bauer. Uh, plus, does can he pitch right now? I mean, he's been working out at at Driveline and all those places that he. He all the laboratories where he he sort of reinvents himself every offseason. He's been working out there, but he hasn't pitched in a real game. He hasn't he doesn't have, you know, the the, the competitive experience. He's going to have to spend time in the minors, basically, uh, to, to to get himself ready to, to, to you know, be on a roster somewhere. Uh, the sad thing is, yeah, it, you know, the, his ability and his talent is probably going to get him another chance at some point, but I, I, I don't see where right now. Yeah. I, I mean, we have, we've got an example of, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, you know, teams, yeah. a desperate team is, will be willing to maybe bring him on and, and, uh, 
you know, suffer the slings and arrows of public opinion. Uh, but uh, like you said, Joe, he hasn't pitched since uh, since what? And uh, the, the midway early in the 2021 season, that was his last game at big league games. So, uh, you know, I'm sure Bauer is ready to pitch knowing him. He was always physically ready. But like you said, you, you've got to be on the mound. You've got to face big league hitters. And that's a long time to be off. So I don't think we've heard the last of Trevor Bauer. I think yeah. uh, eventually he'll surface again. Uh, San Diego or one of the two New York teams, I think, would probably be a, a, a place for him to go. That that That's all I can think of right now. Uh, San Diego, just because he would he would relish the opportunity to shove it at the Dodgers if he could. So, uh, so we go from Bauer to uh, a guy who uh, actually went from what uh, being a Giant to being a Met to not being anywhere right now in, in the offseason. Carlos Correa. Uh, I, I, this is the first I'm really hearing of this old injury where he's got plates and screws in his in his foot and. And now he it, it's sort of causing concerns on his his medicals for a it, the idea here is uh, you know Correa's deal with the the Giants fell through uh, he 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 announced a, a a deal with the the Mets and now that's on hold pending his physical and and talks are are sort of up in the air right now because of the uh, the the holiday that's going on uh, but I, I get the feeling that if this were a two or three year contract that they wouldn't be concerned about it, but because it's like a 10 year deal, uh, they're, they're taking more of a more scrutiny, more of a, a close look at these, uh, these medical records. Yeah, Joe, definitely. And, uh, you know, he had, he had agreed to a, a 13 year, $350 million deal with the giants and, uh, the giants doctors scrubbed that, you know, it, it didn't get done. And then, all of a sudden, Bor, uh, you know, Scott Boros, uh, Correa's agent, you know, kind of pivoted in like the middle of the night or something, like in five minutes, and they signed a, uh, you know, agreed to a 12, 12-year, 350, $15 million deal with the Mets. And now that is, uh, you know, kind of up in the air because of that injury, injury you were talking about. And I, you know, you know, Correa's, you know, kind of injury history is all, you know, has always been about his back. And mm-hmm. like you said, no one really knew about the the leg or the foot injury. That didn't seem to be that important. But obviously, if you're talking about this much money over this length of time, it is, it does become a concern. So I, I'm wondering if this is going to affect the way that teams, you know, look at these 10-year contracts, these, these giant 300 plus million dollar contracts over the next, uh, you know, several off seasons. Is there going to be this same level of scrutiny for the, uh, for the, the medical concerns? Because this is something that he did when he was like 18 years old and, and he's been, you know, living with, uh, you know, a plate and screws in his, in his foot, uh, since then and playing. And I mean, you're talking about a guy who's a gold glove defender and, uh, you know, played in the world series and he's, he's, uh, a superstar basically at the, at the position. Uh, but you know, I, I can understand why a franchise like San Francisco, uh, hesitated to commit $350 million. If you don't know what's going on for sure in that, in that foot. 
Yeah, you know, and you look at it the long range. I mean, uh, what he's probably, what, 28 years old now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to be at the end of this deal. He's going to be 41 years old. Is is he really going to, where where exactly where is he going to be playing? You know, is he is he the DH? You know, so, I mean, I guess there's a lot of concerns like that. I've heard, you know, like deals, like trades sometime getting, you know, waylaid because of physical, you know, the one team doesn't like the physical on another player uh you know the the uh you know omar Vizquel had that happen when uh cleveland tried to trade him to seattle and omar you know they had the, the the trade was rescinded omar came back and you know played fine with cleveland and then went on to san francisco and won a couple gold gloves but you know one one training staff doesn't like it you know i guess it just goes to show you that teams evaluate players differently on the medical side but obviously the Mets and the and the Giants both have the same, some concern about Correa's physical condition. Well, we're not concerned about anybody's physical condition here as we head towards the new year. Uh, I think Hoinsey on Wednesday's edition of the uh, uh, the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast, we're going to sit down and and go over your list of uh, the the twenty uh, you know highlight best games of the Guardian season. And, and maybe spin it forward and, and look forward to on the schedule uh, what games we're looking forward to, to covering and what series and matchups uh, we're looking forward to covering in, in 2023. Uh, but we'll save that for Wednesday uh, in the, the next edition of the podcast uh, here on Cleveland.com. Hoinsey, great to talk to you after uh, after the holiday. Uh, good to hear that the, uh, you know, the, the Christmas feast didn't uh, – didn't set you back at all. Uh, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll catch up with you uh, again on Wednesday here, and uh, we'll talk to you then on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Good talking to you, Joe.